passed on over. So we're here ready to worship God and to give Him the glory that only He deserves. Um, you know, I, I would like to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm not going to get there yet. I'll get there a little later. But I want you to go ahead and turn there in chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 21 once I get there. Um, and you know, this morning I, um, I thought we'd get right into it. And we'll have to do that for a couple of reasons, because usually when I come up here, when I have the privilege of coming up here, you know, I'll do about two points. But I figure since the message this morning is on sacrifice and community, that you would be more than willing to sacrifice an extra few more minutes to hear a third point. I hope that's not presumptuous of me. Uh, but so we'll get right into it. There are three short points, a lot shorter than other points. Uh, but I am really excited that we get to talk about sacrifice. You know, as we continue with our theme of community, you know, this element of sacrifice is needed, and we ought to talk about that more often. You know, it's impossible to cooperate with one another in community without sacrifice. You know, if you stop and you think about your family, your own biological family, and how, you know, your own children, your immediate family. And you think about the need to cooperate there. And how every individual, every member of that group needs to, at some point or another, sacrifice so that you can function as a group. And the, true, the same is true of God's church, the community of God, the community of believers, that we sacrifice for one another in order for us to function as a community. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also are to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I love the way the message version puts this. It says, uh, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. And that's plain as day, right? You know, God's intent is for us to be able to sacrifice for one another. And I thought about it, you know, if I began the sermon this morning by asking us to raise our hands if we appreciate Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, I imagine that all of our hands would go up. You know, that most of us, and if not most, but all of our hands would go up. Because we appreciate that, and rightly so. The Bible teaches that we would be lost in our sins if it was not for the sacrifice of Jesus. So we ought to be a people that appreciate that. And we ought to celebrate it as we do and so thankful for Tim and the way that he helped us to think about Jesus in that time. So we ought to be a community that appreciates the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, however, Jesus died on the cross for more than our appreciation. But we need to be a community that not only appreciates the sacrifice of Jesus, but one that imitates Him in this area as well. Certainly the cross demonstrates God's love for us and provides motivation for us to live godly lives. And that's a huge deal. That's a big deal. And we need to never forget that. 
Because it helps us understand how much God loves us. But it's also important to remember that Jesus' sacrifice is an example of how you and I are to live our lives. So this morning, for the rest of my time, I want to go ahead and focus on, well, how did Jesus approach this element of sacrifice? How did He do it? And the Bible is very clear, and I believe 1 Peter chapter 2 is a section of Scripture that really helps us to understand how Jesus approached sacrifice. So as we read where you at this point should be, which is 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 21. The Bible says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example and you must follow in His steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when He was insulted, nor threaten revenge when He suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Amen. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. There's an incredible section of scripture describing how Jesus approached the cross and what his thinking was and how he endured it. And a lot of lessons here for us to learn. And, and, and again, in the rest of my time, I like to, to look at three, three things here. I think that's described here in, in, in Jesus' attitude and His thinking. And then the first point here is that He lived a sacrificial life. We look at verse 22, the Bible says, He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Right? I mean, you think about that. And, and the book of uh, Hebrews helps us understand that he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are. Every way. But every single day, he denied himself to a point where he, was, he had not sinned, not even once. Jesus did, did not just have moments when he sacrificed, he lived a sacrificial life. That's what his life was all about. You know, Peter explained here that Jesus never sinned. Which means, he, again, he lived every day of his life denying himself. Also sacrificing his interests and desires for our benefit. You know, it wasn't just a moment in his life. The cross is a culmination of what Jesus taught and how he lived his life. And, uh, you know, when you, when you think about that, as we talked the last time we were together, you know, when it comes to worship, what God desires is a living sacrifice from us. Not something we do once in a while. But this is how we live our lives. This is what our lives are like, that we're living sacrifices to God. So the cross is a culmination of what Jesus taught and how He lived His life. You know, you think about what He instructed those who wanted to follow Him to do. Right? You know, as disciples of Jesus, we studied the Bible and we learned what it means to be a disciple. And then we look in the Bible, you know, Jesus instructed people to deny themselves. Right? Yes. 
to take up their cross daily and to follow Him. Now consider Jesus here in this passage. And think about how He lived His life, each day of His life. All of these ideals that He taught, He lived out or He exemplified as He was being led to His death on the cross. He followed His Father's instruction to the T. Right? Instances in the Bible where He says, look, it must happen this way. This is how it's written. He followed His Father. We see Him praying multiple times in the garden until He was able to deny Himself and embrace His Father's will for Himself, for Him. He lived every day of his life, his physical life, forging forward towards his brutal death without backing down. You know, he took up his cross daily. That's what that's talking about. So I want to ask you this morning, would the people who know you describe your life as sacrificial? Now is that the adjective that would be used for your life? And when I think about my life, I can easily describe times in my life when I've made sacrifices for others or for causes that I believe in. And we can all probably identify those times in our lives and the lives of people around us. But you know, I was challenged by that question when I think about how regularly Jesus sacrificed for others. Right? And the Bible said he, was, he never sinned. That means every day he had to deny himself every single day. You know, that means all 33 physical years that he lived on this earth. All 12,053 days. And all 289,000 plus hours. And however many minutes that is. He spent that entire time denying himself being a sacrifice for yours and my sake. This was his life. You know, we like to think of sacrifice, I believe, sometimes as seasonally, right? You know, we think of different things we do to meet the needs of people, you know, not as an event in our lives every now and then. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we ought to excel in that and try to figure out things to do. You know, I think about one of the Bible talks here in this region. One of the decisions that they've made is that they will do an outreach every quarter of the year to be able to give back to the community. And now back in December, a group of us went out and we volunteered for the, we volunteered for the Salvation Army where we're involved in handing out food to the needy. It was an incredible event. As you can see there in the picture, that's your elder Don Murray. He's directing traffic. You know, as uh, people were coming in to get food. And you know, he did a great job. There were no accidents that day. But we all had a great time. And, I, and there's another picture here I included. These are a group of the sisters there taking a picture break while the brothers break boxes in the truck. But you know, it was an incredible event as we served, as we sacrificed our time to be able to give to others. That's great to do that. And to have seasons where we do that and periodically do that. But you know, I think we become more like Jesus when we figure out how can we sacrifice on a daily basis. You know, what can we do on a daily basis? You know, I, I thought about some examples here. You know, it's, um, we're in the month of March now, about three months into the year. Beginning of the year, you know, we all set all these resolutions. 
You know, some of it includes men denying ourselves a certain thing so that we can be more godly. Things like controlling and being self-controlled in how we eat. Being more active so we can lose weight, be healthier. And you may say, well, you know what, bro, that, that's like self-serving. I mean, it's just all about me and losing weight, but not necessarily true. You know, if I'm not healthy, that means that, you know, I, I'm going to die a lot earlier than probably the Lord said for me to go. And I'd hate to leave my wife without two girls to raise on her own. So it is a sacrifice for me to think about, well, how, how am I being self-controlled in the things I put in my body? That requires, and that's a daily thing, I, you know, identifying those things we can do every day to sacrifice for God. You know, college students and even teens who are in high school and uh, elementary school fathers, you know, how about the decision you've made to be more disciplined with your time so you can stay on top of your schoolwork and help study the Bible with people and help in other ways? Again, that's something you can do every day. You know, how do you, you use your time wisely? You sacrifice so that you're on top of things. So that way you can give more to others. But you know, there are plenty of opportunities where we can be sacrificial in our lives and live a sacrificial life. And I believe we become more like Jesus when we not just think of it how we can do this periodically, but how we can do this on a daily basis. The yeah, second thing here you see is that, you know, Jesus entrusted himself to God. Yeah, this, is, this is something here that uh, always really certainly inspired me, but challenged me also. You know, because the truth of the matter is, it's uh, always a lot easier to do good towards others when they show appreciation or treat you well, right? You know, when that's going well, people appreciate you, they say thank you, uh, you know, and they come back, they even give you a thank you card, things like that. It's easy. Of course I'm going to sacrifice and do good, but it's a lot tougher when, you know, those, those very people... Right, that you're trying to sacrifice for, that they're not treating you as well. But you know, when people treat you well, it doesn't require sacrifice to do good towards them. It doesn't. You know, it's when we're not being treated as we think we deserve to be treated, that's what requires sacrifice. You know, conflict is inevitable, is an inevitable part of relationships. Yeah, I'm turning 40 this year, and uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot more to learn. But you know, one of the things I, I've learned in the 39 plus years is that, you know what, it's inevitable. There'll be conflict in relationships. Relationships don't get to another level. It doesn't pass the surface level to that deeper level unless there's conflict. And how we handle conflict in our relationship determine where those relationship, whether those relationships grow or not. You know, in verse 23 there it says, Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. And Peter here, he's helping us to understand how Jesus was able to do this. He explained that Jesus entrusted himself to God. In other words, Jesus placed himself in God's care and protection. That's what he did. You know, how he reacted to, to the injustices he experienced in the hands of others was determined by his dependency on his Father. 
That's what, that's what helped him to deal with it. Here's the truth. We're sinful and imperfect people. And as such, we will hurt each other, whether it's intentional or not. You know, I love my wife, and Sean uh, and I, we love being married to each other. She told me she likes being married to me, and I, I know I love being married to her. And, uh, you know, through our marriage, and one of the things, I, I believe God uses our marriage to help us to understand so much about Him. And we've learned so many lessons about how, yeah, it's true, we're imperfect, but there's a way in which God can use us still. You know, I remember even before we got married, you know, while we were still dating, I mean, we, we learned very early that although you love each other, you sometimes will hurt one another. Uh, you know, we were dating, and Shaw one day, she uh, went on a trip to the zoo. And, uh, and I think this was like maybe a week into our dating relationship. Maybe a week or two. So she went to the zoo and she thought about encouraging me. Now she meant this. She meant no harm by this in any way. She wanted to be cute and encourage me. So she found a postcard at the zoo. And uh, I have it here. Now... Let me, let me read to you what the postcard says. <laughs> well, this is what it said. Again, she meant no harm. She, she wanted to encourage her boyfriend at the time. She, it says, hey babe, even though I had fun at, at the zoo, I missed you tremendously. And I'm reading this, I'm like, oh wow, she's thinking of me. And it says, so imagine how thrilled I was when I found this baby picture of you at one of the gift shops. And uh, of course it says, just kidding, seriously, I did miss you. P.S. I'm sure your baby pictures look a hundred times cuter. Now again, she meant it as a joke, but let me tell you, I'm reading this and I'm like, what? Because you know, you know it's a joke, but you're like, what about this picture made her think about doing this? You know, is it the complexion? Like, what is it? But she didn't mean to hurt me, but it happened. She was thinking about encouraging me. But you know, not, not just her, but I think about how times where my sins have hurt her and have made her feel insecure about my love towards her. And you realize you do hurt each other, again, whether it's intentional or not, but this happens. We can only continue to do good towards each other in the community of God if we are growing and entrusting ourselves to God. Putting ourselves in His care and His protection. So how do we do that? Well, look at here. How, how did Jesus do it? You know, Jesus did this by never ceasing to spend time with his father no matter what was happening in his life. No matter what was going on, he would always spend time with his father. Matthew 14 verse 13 says, When Jesus heard what had happened, this is when he heard about his cousin John the Baptist, the fact that he was beheaded. It says, When he heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. 
Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It goes on, Luke 5 verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I mean, this was his attitude. He was always spending time with his father no matter what. The Bible said he often withdrew. It wasn't something he did once in a while. You know, when do you pray? When do you spend time with God? Do you do it often? You know, praying continuously cultivates dependency on God. You know, if we're, if we're trying to trust God in the moment and yet we're not spending continuous, continuous time with God, it's not going to happen. All you're going to do is kind of grip your, your, your hands and, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to trust God. But it, it, with the way uh, a trusting heart towards God is cultivated is through continue, continuing day after day spending time with Him no matter what's happening in our lives. This is what Jesus did. You know, the other thing to consider, Jesus is described as the living Word of God in the Bible. You know, we see Him throughout the pages of the Scriptures using Scriptures to answer questions, make decisions, fight temptation, defend His position. He knew God's Word inside out. He was the living Word of God. But knowing and using the Word of God places us in God's care. Because you think about it, you're making decisions based on what God said. You're holding on to His promises. You know, we, we won't be led astray. There's, there's no downfall in that in any way. But as we do that, that cultivates trust in God. And allows us to be able to, to put ourselves in His care during difficult times with others. But brothers and sisters, you know, if we uh, desire to be able to sacrifice for one another as Jesus did, we will have to allow God to build and create in us a dependency on Him. And that that takes place through our times of prayer, you know, our times of Bible study as we do that every day of our lives. So the third thing here, you know, you look at... Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, and you look at verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, you are healed. So the third point here is that Jesus sacrificed so others would be healed. That's what that scripture says. He chose to die so that you and I can be healed of our sins. You and I can be put right with God. And be able to have a relationship with God through Jesus and through that be healed. But verse 25 describes what our lives are like without Jesus. It says we're like a, we're like a sheep that has wandered away. That's what it says. Ephesians 2 verse 12, you don't need to turn there, it describes it as being alone in the world without God and without hope. The picture I get, it's like turning all the lights off in this auditorium where it's pitch dark and you try to traverse from this end to that end. 
without being able to see, you're bumping into all kinds of things. That's what it's like to live life without God. We're bumping into all kinds of things. And these things we bump into, I mean, it, it creates wounds. You know, this was the description of some of our lives before we decided to follow Jesus. And unfortunately for others of us who still have not made the decision to follow Jesus, this is a current description of your life from God's perspective. You're wandering in the world. Alone, without God, and without hope. So Jesus allowed himself to be crucified in order to create a path for us to get back to God. While we are called to sacrifice for one another, sin can only be forgiven through Jesus' sacrifice. That's something to keep in mind. And the consequences of and wounds from those sins can only be healed through relationship with Him. It's just not, there's no other way. None at all. And Jesus knew this. This is why He went through the cross so you and I can have this opportunity. Ultimately, He is the only one who can heal you and I. So it begs the question, right? Well then, what's the point of our sacrifice? Why, why do we sacrifice? You know, um, God uses disciples to spread the word about Jesus and call others back to Him. Through His church, He heals us all by enabling each of us to teach, serve, forgive, and support one another. Well, this is the part we play in this process. You know, where we spread the word about Jesus, who He is, and the opportunities that God has created so that others can be healed. We allow God to use us to teach one another. You know those relationships we talked about before? You know, uh, whether it be friendship, marriage, discipling relationships. You know, God uses us in those relationships to help one another be healed and transform. You know, to serve one another. To forgive. Sometimes you need to hear it. You know, people say, I forgive you. Well, we had a situation this morning when my wife apologized for something. And usually, you know, she'll apologize. I'm like, okay. And she said, will you forgive me? <laughs> Sometimes we need to hear that. Uh, but, you know, God used... Uh, and I did say, yes, I forgive you. But, you know, God used us to help one another heal. You know, we teach others about Jesus and allow God to use us and the resources He gives to us to help others be healed. This requires sacrifice. Are you sacrificing so others may be healed? I'll let you think about that. Because the truth of the matter is somebody sacrificed so that you may be healed. You and I are here because somebody sacrificed. You know, what can we sacrifice for others to be healed? You know, we can sacrifice our time. We can sacrifice our pursuit of comfort. Worldly aspirations. We can sacrifice our money. You know, God has given us a lot that we can sacrifice for the sake of others being healed. But you know, we can give up all these things, and without the right mindset, you know, this just becomes something you grudgingly do. If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 as we wind down here. 
And verse 2b, the Bible says, uh, For the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You stop and you think about that and you realize in order to endure the challenges of being crucified, Jesus maintained a vision of what his father would produce through his sacrifice. That's what helped him to endure it. You know, there's, uh, I found a quote while I was putting this together. If we can go ahead and put that quote up there. Where it says, never make a sacrifice that will only make you feel miserable. And the key word there is only. Certainly, you know, there are sacrifices we make that obviously makes us feel miserable. But just to do it for just the sake of being miserable, that's that's sick. (laughs) But you know, Jesus here, He sacrificed because of the joy that was set before Him. And you know, the Bible helps us to understand that this joy involves healing of people's lives. He was thinking about you and I and the opportunities we would get to be healed of, forgiven of our sins and healed of the scars. You know, yours and I. And this is what the vision was. This is what helped him to endure the cross. Without a vision of what God produces with these things, we struggle or worse, we forego the opportunities to sacrifice in these ways. You know, I think um, specifically, you know, this really applies when we think about, we come together on a Sunday morning and we, we bring our weekly offerings to God, where we give of our money for the work of the church. Now you can do that, again, and it, it could be miserable about it, but when you have the vision, you understand what you're giving to and why. And you understand what God is trying to do in this metroplex. And you catch that vision. Bringing our offerings here on Sunday, it becomes this thing that, hey, we're sacrificing as Jesus did for others to be healed. You know, come May, our annual mission contribution will be upon us. And it's approaching fairly quickly. You know, I've been a disciple for 20 years now. And uh, I feel like I've always been privileged to be around people who have served on the mission field. And I've heard firsthand of what's happening there and what the needs are. You know, one of the brothers who discipled me for many years, Stanley Dumonet, back in New Jersey, you know, he led the church in Haiti for several years. And I remember through his messages and conversation with him, he would talk about how difficult it is to live in a third world country where you understand people need God. But just to be able to put in place all that's needed so lives can be changed, you know, he talked about that difficulty. It requires sacrifice. And so that has always helped me to understand what I'm giving to. And to be able to have this vision. Uh, you know, there's another couple, Shar and I know really well. They are, we're actually best men and matron of honor in our, in our wedding. Where, uh, you know, one of the things that happened three, four years ago actually, they decided to live, to leave their, their lives here in the United States and move to Bolivia, La Paz, Bolivia, where they served in the Hope Hospital and give. And I remember when he told me that, I'm sitting on the phone, I'm like, man, what am I doing with my life? You know, you wonder, what I, I mean, this is what p- decisions people are making. 
And they're thinking about how to impact the world. But you know, our giving goes towards that. Last year, you know, our mission contribution, part of that went to that hospital there. It was able to help heal people and help people to, to, to be exposed to God's Word and understand who Jesus is. So you know, my challenge for us, certainly we've always been a region that gives. And I do believe come May we'll do that. But really to catch a vision. To think about what will my giving go towards. You know, there are a lot of things we can do. We can go on Disciple Today website and see all the things that are happening. We can talk to people. And we can understand what's happening. We can, and we have our own desires and our own dream of what God can do with our giving. So let's be sacrificial and give from that standpoint. The Bible said Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before Him. So what's your vision for your giving and your sacrifice? You know, as I conclude this morning, you know, I do want to remind us, you know, God wants us to take note of how Jesus sacrificed on our behalf. And I believe He wants us to take note because He wants us to become like that. You know, we looked at how Jesus lived a sacrificial life. He entrusted Himself to God and He sacrificed so others would be healed. Again, God wants us to be able to put our names where His name is. You know, where Pierre lived a sacrificial life. You know, called Daniel and trusted himself to God. The southwest region of the DFW church sacrificed so others would be healed. This is what God's calling us to. Brothers and sisters, let's live sacrificial lives by imitating our brother Jesus so that God will be glorified. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer.